light. That's what I remember most about that night. It was so long ago, but it seems like it was just yesterday. I remember I was sitting on the edge of the cot in the small home that my parents owned. The rest of the family was outside where it was cooler, which was not unusual for a girl of 14 who was experiencing the moods, various thoughts and emotions of a teenage girl. Oh yes, the birds were faintly singing outside. It was almost nighttime. Soon another day would be over. Another day bringing me closer to my marriage day. I had long admired Joseph of the house of David. Our marriage had been arranged when I was born. He was strong and tall, and when he spoke to me, he was kind and gentle. He would be a good husband, and we would be happy together. And all of a sudden, my room was filled with light. It was so bright, I had to cover my eyes. And a soft, melodious voice said, Hail, favored one. Well, this time I thought I was asleep and dreaming because this angel had called me favored one. The voice went on to say, do not be afraid. Well, my heart was pounding and my breathing was rapid and I was very much afraid. Mary, you shall conceive in your womb and bear a child and you shall name him Jesus. And he went on to say that this child would be great and would establish a kingdom on earth. I was stunned. And I protested, saying that I am not married and I do not yet live with Joseph. And this angel said that this child would be the Holy Son of God and the Holy Spirit would come upon me and the child. I was humbled and frightened, but I said, let it be with me according to your word. And then the light came flooding into the room. It was all around me. It was over and around, and every part of me was totally absorbed in the light. And then it was gone. It was dark. It was night. It was silent. I heard my family coming in from outside, so I lay on my cot, and as the magnitude of this experience began to dawn on me. I trembled. That was the first of many roads I was to walk since the night the angel appeared to me. Before he left, he told me that my relative Elizabeth was going to have a child. Well, I was surprised, but very happy because one of the great sadnesses of her life was that she was old and barren. I myself needed time to get away and to think and so as I traveled to visit Elizabeth, my mind whirled. I now understood that I was to be the mother of the Messiah. Father spoke so often about the Messiah, things he learned in the temple from the priest and the scribes. I myself couldn't understand how a child could do all the things expected of a Messiah. I worried about that. I worried about a lot of things in those days like how to tell my parents and Joseph, gentle Joseph, would he believe me? Would anyone believe me? Or would they take me to the very center of the village and stone me? But I felt confident that I was doing God's work and I felt that God would protect me. In fact, 
As odd as my story was, it was not that unlike the way God had worked in the past. I may remember Sarah and Hannah, both old and barren, and actually had children whose births were foretold by God, and they played an important role in the history of my nation. And now Elizabeth was with child? It would be a good test to see if she believed me. I hurried on to Elizabeth's house before dusk, and as I called to her at the threshold, she came to the door, and then she jumped back as though she was in pain, and she held her protruding belly, and she said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then she told me that when I spoke her name, the baby that she was carrying inside of her leapt violently. I was overwhelmed by the love and acceptance I received from her. I praised God for this privilege that was mine, and I sang a song of joy. I stayed with Elizabeth for three months. Her husband, Zechariah, was mute because he had doubted God's promise that they would have a child. But don't worry, Elizabeth and I made up for it. We talked and we laughed and we played and we prayed, asking for courage and for wisdom to play well the roles that had been assigned to us. I bit my lip to keep from crawling out in pain this time. I was on a different road now, this time with Joseph on the way to Bethlehem. It's 80 miles between Nazareth and Bethlehem, and I rode that journey on the back of a small donkey, and I felt every hoofbeat. The journey had been difficult in many ways since the night the angel accosted me. My parents eventually came round. They were kind of pleased that I had found favor with God. But Joseph, oh, Joseph, he was so angry that he had to clench his teeth to keep from yelling at me. The veins on his neck were poking out and he said, go back to your father's house. So I did. I lay on my cot for two whole days. And then Joseph came and asked to speak with me. I could tell something was different about him and he led me outside to the bench and he told me of a dream and of the assurance that God had given to him. And he believed that my story was true and he promised to stay with me until the baby was born and that we would be married afterwards. <laughs> Life was a bit easier after that. Oh, sure, every time I went into the village, I had to endure the stares and the whispers, but I was confident that I was doing God's work and that somehow this child I was carrying, this child could help even those busybodies of Nazareth. Well, one day, a Roman courier came to the village and told us that all the descendants of the house of David had to go to Bethlehem to be enrolled in a census and that meant Joseph and I would have to go. The problem is the timing could not have been worse. When we got to Bethlehem, it was crowded and noisy. The people were gathered on the sides of the road with fires and making cooking pots. It was awful and made me feel sick. The baby was soon due. And I had been having fleeting pains all day, and now they were growing in intensity and frequency, and Joseph was panicked. There was no place for us to stay. 
every place was full. He saw my discomfort and he was frightened. There was one inn up ahead and as we went to it, hopeful, the innkeeper shook his head, no, there's no room. We didn't know what we were going to do, but that innkeeper led us around to the back to the stable. It smelled of hay and animals, but I much preferred that to those smoky cooking fires outside in the village. And it was there in that stable that my strong Joseph midwifed the baby Jesus who cried loudly when he was born. We cleaned him up and we wrapped him in soft cloths that we had brought from home. And as I cradled him in my arms, I fell in love so powerfully. And I was filled with a sense of joy and gratitude. And as I looked up, I saw a single tear coming down the face of Joseph. Jesus fussed occasionally as we journeyed to Jerusalem. We were on a different road now, this time headed to the temple to dedicate the baby to God and to allow me a chance to observe the purification rites after childbirth. The slow, steady pace put Jesus to sleep and it allowed me time to think. And I remembered all the strange comings and goings of the night of his birth. Yes, there were unusual and unexpected people there like shepherds, shepherds. They were outcast in the society, but they were excited to tell us of an angel choir that shared the message with them. It's interesting. The shepherds came to praise God and worship the baby. But the religious leaders of the day were nowhere to be found. And there was light that night too. A bright star rested above the stable and it chased away all the darkness of the night. We could see the temple up ahead in the distance. It was gleaming brilliant bright in the morning sun. And I looked down at my homespun gown and Joseph's threadbare cloak and I knew we would be out of place but we had to observe the law. We couldn't afford to buy a lamb, but we put our coins together and we bought a turtle dove, a pigeon, which would be an acceptable sacrifice for purification rites, but it did mark us as poor people. Mm. But there's no shame in that. As we were going in, this man with long hair and a wild crazy beard came running at us and he said, I have waited to see the Messiah before I die. And a broad smile came across the face of this man named Simeon as he reached out to hold Jesus. I was kind of scared at first because when he held Jesus, he said some strange prophecies about his life. And he looked at me and said a sword would pierce my heart. I didn't know what he meant, but it made me feel very uncomfortable. And then an elderly woman dressed in the clothes of a prophetess. She fasted and prayed every day in the temple. Her name was Anna. She came up to us and when she saw the baby, she began to praise God and said the redemption of Jerusalem. I pondered these strange comments as we watched the two of them go across the temple courts and outside 
and we went in to fulfill our duty. Awed, mystified, grateful. These are the words that describe my relationship with my son. Through the years, I've pondered the meaning of his life, of my life. The angel, the light that poured through me did not help me clearly understand the meaning of it all. The greeting I received from Elizabeth, the angelic choir that brought shepherds to the stable, the joyful words of the devout Anna, the dark gnarled hands of the man Simeon holding the chubby baby Jesus. Later, visits from three learned men from the East who brought strange gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And our desperate flight into Egypt to escape Herod. All these thoughts flow through my memory, snippets of our past. Old Simeon's words were true. Despite all that Jesus did, despite all the things that he taught, despite all the ways that he reached out and touched others, healed them and loved them, despite it all, nails pierced his hands and a sword pierced my heart. But I'm not bitter. I don't understand it all, but I do believe that it is somehow a part of God's great big plan of love for creation. You know, in many ways, the world seems just as evil as it did when Jesus was born. War and violence, hatred and racism, all of it tries to lure us away from the love which Jesus lived and taught. But I am sure of one thing. The light has come. The light is here. And I pray that you and I would open up ourselves to the light and would let it seep into every dark corner of our lives and of this world. <laughs>